Hello and welcome to the PCOS Diva podcast. My name is Amy Medling. I'm a certified health coach and I'm the founder of PCOS Diva. And my mission is to help women with PCOS find the tools and knowledge they need to take control of their PCOS so they can regain their fertility, femininity, health, and happiness. This podcast is sponsored by my new book, Healing PCOS, a 21-day plan that takes you step-by-step through healing and thriving with PCOS. It's all in there waiting for you, beginning with the three keys to living your best life as a PCOS diva. For more details, visit HealingPCOS.com. So on today's podcast, I am very fortunate to welcome back Carol Laurie. She has been um, a guest on the PCOS Diva podcast, and I'm going to link to that previous uh, podcast in the show notes. But Carol is a, a dear friend, and she is a naturopath, a licensed acupuncturist, functional medicine expert, and homeopath. And she has over 30 years of experience in providing integrative health care. And she works with many, many women with hormonal imbalance and especially PCOS. So welcome to the PCOS Diva podcast, Carol. I'm so happy to be here, Amy. Thank you for having me back. Well, you know, I love talking to you because you have an approach to PCOS um, that I, you know, am am, uh, a huge um, advocate of, and that is, you know, an integrative functional medicine approach to PCOS. And, um, you know, we both know PCOS is such a complex syndrome, and it, um, you know, we, we can't just go about treating all of the symptoms. We need to get to the root of uh, an in individual woman's, um, you know, root causes of PCOS. So just really grateful that you're here and, and you know, I'm really interested in hearing more about how you approach a patient's, um, you know, care with PCOS. Sure. Um, well, I think a really good place to start is let's talk about the spokes on the wheel of what is PCOS. As most women who are listening um, no, there's, it's not just one thing. It's not like you have um, menstrual irregularities. You can also have an underlying hormonal irregularities. There is the blood sugar dysregulation. And there is also um, the other inflammatory component. And then the last spoke that I recently added, which I think is really important, is the emotional component of this illness. Um, Because of the hormonal imbalances, um, many women have excess hair on their face, which women can feel a lot of shame about. And um, that shame sets up an underlying negative inner self-talk and can cause the woman to isolate from her friends and society. And that sets up an inflammatory response, which really then self-cycles through the whole PCOS complex syndrome. Um, I know I wanted to interject there too about the shame piece. Um, you know, I do, you know, I hear from women all the time where they're getting shamed even by their doctors regarding, regarding their weight. You know, they're told, well, if you just lose some weight, then, you know, your PCOS symptoms will subside. And, And it's, um, 
you know, or why didn't you lose that weight or, you know, and, and just making women with PCOS feel less than. So it's, you know, not only this internal feeling of shame, but it's this external um, uh, triggers, you know, by, by the doctors as well, which is really disappointing. So I wish you could see my face, could have seen my face when you said that, mm-hmm. and to the, all the women out there, because um, that's, first of all, if a doctor talks to you like that, I really want to encourage you to find a different doctor. Absolutely. That, that is not any way that anybody in the healing profession should ever talk to any of their patients, ever. There's no excuse. So really, empower yourself, ladies, and fire that doctor and find someone who has some respect for the women that they're working with. Um, As you all know that if you have PCOS, it's not, quote, just losing weight. Um, The nature of the blood sugar dysregulation and the inflammation, I mean, I've had women in my practice say, come in, and they're like eating 800 calories a day, and they still can't lose weight. And that, that is unhealthy. I mean, there needs to be in comparison to what the traditional standard American diet is, which is unhealthy for everyone. But if you have PCOS, you need a different form of nutritional intake. And it, but it needs to be healthy, live food. And um, if you can manage, learn how to manage your blood sugar, and managing your blood sugar is not just about being on metformin. Um, there needs to be a whole integrative approach of blood sugar management. And I'm not a big pro metformin fan. I -hmm. think that women can learn how to manage their um, blood sugar dysregulation through nutritional and um, supplements. So if you go to your doctor and he or she gives you, oh, you have PCOS, here's the birth control pill and here's the metformin. I really want to encourage women to become empowered and buy Amy's book and do research to say, well, you know, what else can I do about this? Because it's not just about a pill. It's a lifestyle adjustment change. And <clears throat> the more empowered women become about that, the healthier um, they will become. Yeah, and it really puts the power in our, in our hands, too. And, you know, we're not um, at the mercy of the, the doctor hoping to prescribe the magic pill, right? Right. Right. There's no magic pill, women. Um, There's unfortunately no magic pill. We need to become empowered and really embrace that this is your path towards towards health, towards better health and a happier life. And um, there's, you know, maybe you're not going to be this super skinny and not everybody needs to be super skinny, but you can learn how to manage your blood sugar so that you can have a healthier weight and feel good about your body. And as far as excess hair is concerned, I'm a big proponent of electrolysis. Mm -hmm. Um, I had a woman come to see me and she had, you know, hair, quite a bit of hair. And it was the kind that I knew would respond really well to electrolysis. And she said to me, I can't afford it. So I said, okay, let's go through a typical day. She was going to the coffee shop and getting coffee and a a latte and a scone every morning, which nobody should ever start their breakfast with. And then she was going to the nail salon and getting these super expensive, toxic, fake nail things every week. So we figured out if she stopped doing that, she'd have enough money to get the electrolysis that she needed um, to like relieve herself of this embarrassing symptom for herself. 
and she started it. And going to electrolysis, it, it's a it's a time and financial commitment, but it's well worth it because it can really it's some problems in life can be simply solved. Mm-hmm. And that is one of them. You know, excess hair can be gotten rid of with electrolysis and or laser, depending on the type of hair. Yeah, I wanted, so I want to ask you a question about that. You, you mentioned that she had the kind of hair that responds well. So what, how would you categorize that? She had um, very specific areas of dark hair, almost like a man's hair on her face and on her arms and her back. So. Um, Now, if you see a physician or um, now I want to encourage people if they're going to electrolysis and or laser to make sure they are seeing a reputable person who has been in practice for many years and has positive reviews on social media. Um, I know that for laser, you have to have a certain type of darkish hair. On light skin, right? Yes. Mm -hmm. So if you have the finer hair that's like wispy, um, that does not respond well to laser. That's more of an electrolysis moment. Okay. But, um, I referred her to electrolysis because I have a relationship with the local electrolysis woman who I send all my PCOS patients to. And mm-hmm. she did a wonderful, I mean, this woman had to shave and it was embarrassing. And within six months, I mean, she had a major improvement on her face. And mm-hmm. then now they're starting on her upper arms and her back. Mm-hmm. I want to mention two things. First off, if if you're listening and this sounds like you and you feel like you can't afford it, even, um, you know, making some of the the adjustments in your day, like Carol talked about, I do uh, endow a grant with the with PCOS Challenge. It's called the PCOS Diva PCOS Challenge Confidence Grant, and we give out um, many grants during the year for laser and electrolysis treatments as well as acne treatments um, for women who can't afford it. And, uh, you know, you can go to PCOS challenge slash confidence to apply for that. And, and, and Carol, I have to um, mention that when I was really struggling with PCOS in my early thirties, um, I had horrible facial chin hair mm-hmm. and it just, um, dictated the way that I felt about myself. I mean, when you talk about that emotional spoke of the wheel, um, that laser hair removal was a godsend for mm-hmm. me. Mm-hmm. It helped me move beyond that emotional struggle so that I could really kind of let that go and and take all of that brain power that I was spending obsessing about the hair on my chin and put it towards a much productive, um, you know, efforts in in healing myself. So I think you're absolutely right about that. Yeah, I want to encourage women to really do whatever they can and I think the challenge grant is wonderful to really handle this problem in a concrete functional way and then get it remove it from your life I mean right it's like not a problem anymore every now and then you might need to go for a touch-up but Mm -hmm. you know I I had a woman who had who was going for she committed and within a year she went an hour and a half once a week and she handled all of her hair problems Mm-hmm. And it was an expense, but she is now like when she, and then after that she met her partner and it was not an issue for her. I mean, it was just a wonderful, it's liberating. So let's, yeah. 
Yeah. So uh, I would love it. So we talked about the emotion piece a little bit and you were touched upon blood sugar. Um, You know, I'd love for you to just give some concrete tips around diet and getting your blood sugar under control. Sure. I would love to. Um, Let me just start out by saying that the American advertising company uh, uh, way of eating breakfast, which is a sugary cereal or a scone and coffee, it has nothing to do with anyone's health, whether you have PCOS or diabetes or rheumatoid arthritis. Um, as As a functional body, we should never start eating breakfast like that. We should never start our day by putting massive amounts of sugar into our body. So um, I'm a big proponent of um, protein smoothies because it's really easy and it's delicious. But if that's not your thing, I encourage you um, to adopt a different attitude towards breakfast and start thinking of it as just another meal where you can have some protein and vegetables and maybe no carbohydrates or limited carbohydrates. And I'm a big proponent in, for the women who come to see me of a gluten-free way of living, but um, gluten-free does not mean that you're gluten-free and then you're out there eating tons of gluten-free breads and pastries mm-hmm. and cereals. It's, it's a very minimal carbohydrate component. So um, I eat for breakfast and I recommend if I'm not doing a smoothie, like a protein and some vegetables. Um, so that could be chicken, meat, fish, um, lox, and some, it depends what the season is. This morning I had a poached egg over some um, baked veg- baked vegetables. And um, you want to start your day out with protein and vegetables and not carbs. So, um, and, and drink some warm water in the morning with either some fresh squeezed lemon juice in it or some herb tea. You don't want to start the day by um, putting coffee in your system first thing because what that does is it mobilizes glycogen from your fat storage. So you've started the day and you're already having blood sugar dysregulations as part of your PCOS. And it's like you're saying, hi, I'm awake. Here's a big push of sugar in my bloodstream. And your body goes, whoa. And that's why so often women... um, wake up in the morning, they drink coffee, and then two hours later, after your body has released insulin to devour all of that excess sugar in your blood, you have that big energy slump around 10 or 10.30, and then you go for another cup of coffee. So you're in a vicious cycle. So if we... Oh, I wanted to just ask you a couple things about the coffee. Um, Well, first, I want to make a statement. I often think that, and this was true to me, that coffee is just a sugar delivery vehicle. Yes. (laughs) You know, yep. you're because you're not getting, you're not drinking dark, uh, black coffee. You're drinking coffee, you know, light with extra sugar, or, or, or you know, I think a lot of women are, or a latte, vanilla mm-hmm. latte, or something. But um, what about the hormone kind of imbalancing properties of coffee? I mean, coffee has its pros and cons, but it really can lead to um, or help increase estrogen dominance. Well, now we're getting into a complicated. <laughs> area. Um, estrogen dominance can is, well, the way coffee can increase estrogen dominance is through the glycogen disruption. But okay. estrogen dominance is also increased through inflammation. Okay. And um, so there's a whole contributing 
level of what makes estrogen dominance. Um, liver dysfunction or not that there's anything the matter with your liver, but your liver might not be properly breaking down your hormones and that can lead to estrogen disruption. So, um, an estrogen dominance, I'm sorry. So, but yeah, and you're right about coffee being a sugar delivery system because you go into one of those coffee places and you get a mocha, blah, blah, blah. And then you, and you, and you, you're eating 480 calories and 90% of them are sugar. Yeah. And then I think too, the caffeine is difficult on our um, you know, adrenals and so many women with PCOS have, PCOS have adrenal dysregulation. Yeah. So I, I just have to say, I'm not opposed to women drinking like a healthy coffee, like but uh-huh. maybe after they've had breakfast mm-hmm. and start out the day with some herb tea or hot mm-hmm. lemon water and a healthy protein vegetable mm-hmm. breakfast. And then, you know, maybe two hours later have half a cup of coffee with some, you know, organic half and half in it or with no sugar, none of this sugar sweet stuff. It's, it's not good for you. Okay. Um, Just a a quick question that I have for you. So, you know, intermittent fasting is kind of a hot topic right now. Mm -hmm. And so lately I've been hearing from a lot of women whose doctors are telling them do not eat breakfast and this one woman just emailed me the other day saying, my doctor told me not to eat anything until 2 p.m. No. And to, <laughs> um, <clears throat> for my insulin resistance and to have dinner at 7. So she eats lunch at 2, eats dinner at 7, and then fasts from 7 o'clock until 2 p.m. the next day. Okay. I'm so glad you brought this up. Okay. Here's the thing with intermittent fasting. You want to start it around 5 p.m. or 7 p.m. And you want to, you can't go from never, from, you can't go from zero to 100 in a day. So how I work with women with intermittent fasting is we start out for 12 hours. So let's mm-hmm. say you finish dinner at 7 o'clock and then you don't eat again until other than water or herb tea until 7 in the morning. That's your 12-hour fast. Mm-hmm. Okay. And you do that three times a week, Monday, Wednesday, Friday. Mm -hmm. When you've adjusted to that, you then increase it to a 13-hour fast. So you do it from 7 p.m. to 8 a.m. And you do that from Monday, Wednesday, Friday for, let's say, 10 days. And then if you're okay with that, then you increase it to 14 hours. So when you're at the 14 hours, I think you really want to start before 7 p.m. You want to start starting at 6 p.m. because I don't agree that you don't eat until 2 in the afternoon. That makes people dysfunctional and sick and it doesn't feel good and everybody has a very busy life. So you want the majority of this uh, intermittent fasting to be in the evening when you're at home. I know a lot of, I know the dangers of night eating is what really ruins the day for a lot of women. And Mm -hmm. My attitude about night eating is there is an emotional component to it, but it's also habitual and it's feeding emotions that we didn't get resolved during the day. And as you get more in touch with what those are and you get more committed to your healing path, it becomes easier to not night eating, to not night eat. But it is, it's a habit and it takes a while to um, break through that. But if you're committed to the intermittent fasting and you say, okay, I may want the da-da-da that I'm craving 
but I'm not going to do that. I'm going to have a cup of herb tea. I'd say it takes about two weeks to get really free of that habit. Um, but you can't be a functional person as a homemaker or a working woman outside of the home and not eat until two o'clock. You'll feel horrible. So, yeah, I think I, I love your advice there. And, and I um, find that I feel best when I um, kind of practice that 12 hour window and I can control my weight that way too. It's a really easy way for me to control my weight. Right. But the majority of the benefits of intermittent fasting, it's important to know, occur mostly after between the 13 and 15 to 16 hour slots. Mm -hmm. So the 12 hours that you're doing is just getting used to it. It's not like you're going to see a ton of benefit. Mm -hmm. But um, I've had women lose weight just by really committing to stop night eating. Mm -hmm. And um, I don't think people are aware of how much they nibble here and there. And then they have a little meal after they're done dinner. And, you know, you've eaten another 400 calories and you're wondering why you're not losing weight. And, and everything you eat at night, ladies, just goes into fat storage. We don't get to use it up. Mm -hmm. The other suggestion I've made to a lot of women is when possible to eat a bigger meal at lunch and a smaller meal at dinner. The the idea in our American society of eating this huge meal at dinner time is not what our bodies really need. We don't need a huge blob of protein going into our bodies three hours before we are about to go to sleep. Mm -hmm. Yeah, these are these are great uh, uh, you know tips to keep our blood sugar on track. So eating a bigger lunch making sure that you eat protein with, you know, some type of live vegetable. I think that's mm -hmm. great, whether it's greens in a smoothie or like you had vegetables in the morning. Um, what do you think about snacking through the day? Well, I think some, we need to snack. I'm not opposed to snacking. Mm -hmm. The issue is it shouldn't be cheese and crackers mm -hmm. because that's another meal. So snacking for me is, I love when I go to my office, I bring my lunch and I, I bring my food with me. And um, it's, I like the crunchy things like radishes and carrots and celery and red pepper. That's snacking. And, um, you know, I helped some women, they would, by the time they left work and they got home, they would be ravenously hungry. So they had their little snack vegetable bag that they would prepare a couple days in advance. So in the morning, they just need to grab it from the refrigerator and they would eat these crunchy things as they were going home. And then they would arrive home with more stable blood sugar and they wouldn't be ravenous mm -hmm. just grabbing things and putting it in their mouth because there is hunger. And um, there is also emotional eating after a stressful day. Mm -hmm. uh, so if we keep, if we, we understand where our low points are, like some people get really hungry at four o'clock. And if you can be prepared for that, then when it happens, you're not just like, oh, this looks good and I'll just eat this bar. And the next thing you know, you've eaten the wrong thing for your body, even though it might feel good emotionally in the long run, it's not going to be for your best interest. So, um, and there's also, I'm, you know, some people feel they shouldn't eat dairy. Um, I'm not opposed to eating the right kind of yogurt. It's like local whole milk yogurt, a half a cup with maybe a tablespoon or two of some nuts. That's a very good snack. If you don't want to eat dairy now, there's these delicious plain uh, nut yogurts available. 
Mm-hmm. You can eat a little bit of soy, plain yogurt. The yogurt has to be plain because when it has the fruit in it, you're eating, you're getting, it's a sugar delivery system, right? Mm-hmm. So um, you want to eat that with a little bit of nuts. And I think that's um, a really easy way to um, enjoy yourself and also be getting some protein and healthy food. So, so great tips. And, you know, I really, before we run out of time, I want to um, tap into your, your knowledge and expertise, because you're, you know, such a well-rounded practitioner with experience with Chinese medicine and homeopathy, um, acupuncture. Um, I would love for you to just touch on these modalities to help women with PCOS. and, And what do you find helpful? Well, I'm an acupuncturist. I'm a Chinese medicine practitioner, practitioner, and I think um, Chinese medicine and acupuncture has an enormous amount to help women with PCOS. And acupuncturists are licensed in the majority of the states. And if you can find a woman who's been in practice for, I'd say, at least five years and make an initial consultation and go to see her, I think that you'll get a lot of benefit from um, this form of treatment, especially if you're um, dealing with infertility or Mm -hmm. painful periods. The philosophy of Chinese medicine is wonderful for relieving the pain and the stagnation that that create um, inflammation and infertility and disrupted menstrual cycles and painful menstrual cycles. Um, People say to me, I don't like needles because When you think about needles as Americans, we think about getting a shot or getting our blood drawn. And the acupuncture needles are thinner than one of the hairs on top of your head. So the majority of the time, it's no no more painful than just touching your skin lightly. And the benefits can be huge for you. So uh, I want to encourage everybody to just maybe open their minds a little bit and think, hmm, maybe I should try this. I've been doing this for 30 years and I've seen an enormous shift as well where I live in California there's a lot of acupuncturists but um, in the health of the women who come to see me with the Chinese medicine and the acupuncture and I'd also like to talk a little bit about homeopathy which is something that is its own system of healing and it hasn't gotten a lot of press people don't really understand what it is but the benefits of homeopathy can be huge for, uh, for women with painful periods or infertility or just, or even, I shouldn't say just, even emotional disruptions and hormonal imbalances. Homeopathy is a system that was discovered by a physician in Germany in the late 1800s, and it's based on the philosophy of like treats like. So when you, when you take someone's homeopathic case, Um, You may have the diagnosis of PCOS, but your unique symptoms of who you are as a person are very different from somebody else's. So we take all of that into consideration when we find a homeopathic remedy for someone. Um, The issue with homeopathy for constitutional care as opposed to acute care is that the symptoms are so unique to the people, to the person, that it's difficult to say, oh, if you have this symptom, take this remedy. And I'll give you an example of how unique the symptoms can be. Someone can have menstrual pain that is better with lying down. Somebody can have menstrual pain that is better standing up. Someone can have menstrual pain that is better bending forward. 
all of those symptoms would require different homeopathic remedies. So it's not like there's one remedy for menstrual pain because everyone's menstrual pain is very different. Um, if anyone is interested in homeopathy, um, please use my contact page, carollaurie.com, to um, reach me, and I will either find a local homeopath for you or I uh, work by Skype, which is very easy to do with homeopathy. Um, it's its own unique system of healing, and it can really make a difference for your health. So I wanted to kind of end the, the podcast um, with one of your quotes that I, that I found on your website, and I think it's really uplifting. You say, I've always believed it's possible to recover from chronic disease, to feel well, and have joy again. And maybe you could just sort of speak to, with, uh, to this positive message for women with PCOS. It's very difficult to recover from PCOS with our standard societal approach. And it's very easy to feel isolated and alone. And then all these negative self-talk voices come in and you have a lot of shame. And why don't I look like this? Why can't I do that? And I really feel like, first of all, it is totally possible to recover from PCOS. I want to empower all the women to get clear about that. And to not take no for an answer. Um, if you have a physician who is not kind to you, find someone who is. Um, there are a lot of integrative practitioners all over the United States that really have expertise in this area. There are functional medicine practitioners. There are naturopaths. There are acupuncturists. All these modalities are extremely helpful for PCOS. And... Um, it takes an inner belief in yourself that one, you don't have to feel bad, and two, you do deserve to be beautiful inside and out and feel well. And that is what this journey is about for you. When we are born, we don't necessarily have control over what our spiritual path or journey will be this time, but we do have control over our attitude about it. Okay, I have PCOS, this is a pain in the neck. But I'm going to use this information and I'm going to propel myself forward so I can become healthy and, and I deserve to have a happy life. Um, PCOS, it does not have to be a horrible sentence. It's, you know, a complex illness, but you absolutely can find the right tools and recover your health. That was beautiful. I, I, I'm, I'm just like shaking my head as you're saying everything because I totally agree and and you said it so eloquently. So um, thank, thank you, you so much. Thank you. So Carol, if somebody um, is listening and, you know, what you're saying really resonates and they want to find out more about your practice and working with you, how, how can they do that? Um, my website is carollaurie.com, C-A-R-O-L-L-O-U-R-I-E. And I have a contact me page. And um, I'm very responsive to that. I usually get back to people within a day. And I, um, if you live wherever you live and um, it's not locally, I work, you know, through Skype. And if you feel like you want me to help you find a local practitioner, I am more than happy to do that for you. And where are you located in case, you know, people want to actually go visit? Yeah, I'm in Berkeley, California. Okay, great. 
Well, Carol, it's been a pleasure talking to you again and, and I'm so happy that you came and shared your, your wisdom and thoughts on PCOS with us today. It's been an honor to be here. Thank you for having me, Amy. And thank you everyone for listening. Thanks for joining us today. I hope that you enjoyed this podcast and learned a little something that can help you along in your journey. For more information about PCOS and PCOS Diva products and programs, visit PCOSDiva.com. This podcast was sponsored by my new book, Healing PCOS. It's my proven 21-day diet and lifestyle plan to help women with PCOS take back control of their health and resolve their symptoms. Healing PCOS offers you daily, small, manageable steps that help alleviate symptoms and control the inflammation, hormonal imbalance, and insulin resistance that underlie PCOS. The 21-day plan consists of a 21-day anti-inflammatory hormone-balancing meal plan, including meal prep and plan-ahead tips to make eating like a PCOS diva sustainable, 85 delicious recipes, daily lessons, and self-care exercises. I have helped tens of thousands of women with PCOS take back control over their health and their lives through lasting healing and sustainable lifestyle change. So whether you're newly diagnosed or have struggled a lifetime with PCOS, this book is for you. Find it on Amazon, Barnes & Noble, or anywhere books are sold.